0: Uh, We're continuing our uh, series on uh, building our community. Uh, I've got a few more weeks of these. In a couple of minutes, Eric is going to be uh, uh, introducing people involved in different aspects of the uh, music and sound. Uh, But again, the different things we've been talking about here is the emphasis of, of each of us building our own personal commitment to God in the areas of self-sacrifice, community, investment, support, relationship, and proclamation. Uh, So, uh, honestly, whether you come to this congregation regularly or you attend another congregation, you have to understand that in order to really grow as a follower of Messiah Yeshua, you need to appreciate these biblical concepts that are required in order for you to really function the way God wants you to as a follower of Messiah Yeshua. The emphasis of this particular series is that if you are a member of this congregation, meaning you are here and you're committed to this place, you need to be practicing these uh, these different elements within this community. Otherwise, a community is not going to go anywhere. All right. I mean, it's pretty easy to put on a show, but a show is not the same as a community. All right. And so this, uh, this morning we're going to talk about investment, commitment to invest. And uh, I could read this, but I found that... Showing the video would be better. And so if you want to take it away in the back.
1: The little red hen lived on a big farm with all kinds of animals. One day while she was walking, the little red hen came across some seeds. She decided to plant them. Who will help me, she asked her friends. Not I, said the bull. Not I, said the mouse. Not I, said the dog. Then I'll do it, said the little red hen, and so she planted all of the seeds by herself. It took a while, but the seeds grew into a field of wheat. Who will help me cut the wheat, asked the little red hen. Not I, quacked the duck. Not I, meowed the cat. Not I, brayed the bull. The little red hen sighed and said, then I'll do it, and she cut the wheat all by herself. After cutting all the wheat, the little red hen just wanted to rest, but her work wasn't done yet. Who will help me take the wheat to the mill to be ground into flour, she asked. Not I, squeaked the mouse. Not I, barked the dog. Not I, quacked the duck. Then I'll do it, said the little red hen, and she took the wheat to be ground, and then she carried the heavy sack of flour all the way back to the farm. The exhausted little red hen then asked her friends, Who will help me bake the bread? Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the bull. Not I, said the dog. The little red hen said, then I guess I'll bake it myself. Once the bread was finished, the little red hen asked, who will help me eat this bread? We will, said the duck and the dog. Us too, said the bull and the cat. And don't forget me, said the mouse. Nope, said the little red hen. This bread is for those who worked on it. And then she relaxed and enjoyed all of her hard work. Thanks for watching.
0: Okay. All right. I thought, well, I thought that was pretty good, right? Okay, if we can go back to the PowerPoint now. Uh, the, the story of the little red hen is a story we're all familiar with. And it teaches a very important set of lessons. And uh, as soon as we can get this up, the, uh, the idea of, of individuals in a particular situation being willing to, to help and to serve for the benefit of a goal, all right? In that particular situation, somebody asking for others to help in, a, in something that really is a common interest, and nobody's interested in doing the work, but inter- they are interested in the benefit of what is accomplished. And uh, I think that as we're talking about building our synagogue community, understanding the fact that that this entity exists because people, a lot of people, have invested time and energy into making Devaramette, this congregation, what it is, okay? and uh, And so my challenge really for today, for us as we consider... Our community and where we're at uh, as part of this community is for us to make sure that we have developed an ownership mentality within this community. And uh, the, really the challenge is for us individually to be personally investing, personally investing. You can't do it vicariously through somebody else, okay? They can't do it for you. You have to personally invest in the vision and development of this synagogue community. Uh, and that's, that's hard because it demands everything that it demands. Investment is putting personal resources or effort into something with the hope of gaining profit. If you're familiar with finance, you understand this completely. You understand that an investment is your resource put into commodities or some other tangible uh, financial assets that will then grow and develop and bring a return. If you have questions about this, talk to Abe, <laughs> okay? I mean, uh, that's something he knows a lot about. All right? Mike's not here today, but he's another one. Ownership is the state or fact of an exclusive of exclusive rights and control over an investment. Meaning owning it, controlling it, feeling it's part it's yours, okay? Now these definitions really are very much in regards to finance. But the terms, investment and ownership, are really critical within a community, especially a believing community. And so what I want to do is I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about the whole idea of community investment from the biblical text. And so I'm going to ask that you turn with me. Uh, Well, Actually, we're going to see it. I just want to mention, if you're taking notes, uh, the entire book of Nehemiah has to do with this topic. All right, The entire book of Nehemiah has to do with this topic. But there's a couple of verses I want to read from the book of Nehemiah, and for these I will need my glasses, but I am prepared today. Nehemiah chapter 5, so if you want to turn with me, Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. This is Nehemiah expressing himself in regards to his investment in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, page 831 in the Congregational Tanakh, Nehemiah 5, 14 through 19, Nehemiah says, Moreover, from the day when I was appointed to be the governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, so that's 12 years, neither I nor my relatives have eaten the bread allocated to the governor. The earlier governors, those preceding me, placed heavy burdens on the people and took bread and wine from them in addition to 40 shekels of silver. Their attendants also lorded over the people, but I did not do so out of fear of God. Instead, I devoted myself to the work of this wall without even buying a field. All my attendants were gathered there for the work. Furthermore, 150 Judeans and officials, as well as those who came after us from the nations around us, were at my table. Now each day one ox and six choice sheep, as well as some fowl, were prepared for me, and every ten days an abundance of every kind of wine was prepared. Despite all this, I did not require the governor's food allowance because the work was already heavy on this people." Remember me for good, oh my God, for all that I have done for this people. Here, in, in this section, he's literally in, you know, saying that he is serving these people at a personal financial loss. That's spiritual leadership. Spiritual leaders lead at a loss, generally. It costs. Well, obviously it costs him time, 12 years of his life, invested in the rebuilding of of the economic position of Israel, of the the city of Jerusalem. But here it's also clear that he is giving up his right to take from the people resources. Instead of taking from the people, he's actually giving back to the people. That's called an investment. In chapter 3, verse 38, it speaks in chapter 3, verse 38, though, of the fact that the people themselves were committed generally to the task, so I don't have time to go into it, but there were some leaders that were not committed, and there were some people that were not committed. But in verse 38, it says, So we rebuilt the wall, and the entire and the entire wall was joined together up to half its site, for the people had a heart to work. And so here we see, uh, just in these couple of verses, that there is an example here, a scriptural example, of investing into a God-ordained project. Here, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Now, um, I want to just uh, up right here uh, just show you, because this is really the key verse for us to think about in terms of the scriptural example from the book of Acts chapter 2. And here in this section, uh, actually this is Acts chapter 4. Okay, why did I put 2? Anyway, Acts chapter 4. Uh, The whole group of those who believed was one in heart and mind. So this is after after the initial presentation of the message by Peter. This is after the, the community has been in Jerusalem for a little while. And they've developed an approach on how to strengthen and build up the community. And this is what it says. Now, the whole group of those who believed was one in heart and mind. That's important. They were unified. Unified toward the purpose and the goal. No one would say anything he owned was his own but they had everything in common. With great power, the emissaries were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua, and abundant favor was upon all of them. No one among them was needy, for all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds and set them at the feet of the emissaries. And the proceeds were distributed according to the need each one had. Now Joseph, also Carbanaba, was the, by the emissaries, which is translated son of encouragement, was a Levite and a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and laid it at the feet of the emissaries. So we see here an example of individuals investing into this community with their resources. But it was because the people were unified in terms of the goal. Now, going back to here, uh, it, we see this example all over the text. All right? Believers are, are constantly... Whether in the Hebrew scriptures or otherwise, people are investing into the work of God. All right, we see that there are points, though, where it is required. All right, there's this overflowing desire to give, which we see, and serve, you know, whether it's in the building of the tabernacle and people volunteering their time or volunteering their stuff, you know, because wholeheartedly they want to. But in two passages in the book of Exodus, chapter 30, which I'm not going to read, and then, of course, in Matthew 6, which we'll read in a minute. There are requirements. There are requirements. No, the temple was supported. Tabernacle and temple were supported because the people were obligated to give a little something to support it. Now, then on top of that, people were also to provide offerings, freewill offerings. But sometimes we forget about the fact that as followers of the Messiah, Yeshua, there are obligations that God has for us to fulfill. And the obligations have to do with the building up and the strengthening of what God is trying to accomplish. I mean, uh, this community can't move forward unless certain things are done, all right? There are certain requirements. Think about it. All of you who uh, are asked on occasion, tapped to do a drosh. In essence, doing a drosh is, is a basic requirement, all right, of some of you. And that's an expectation of membership, uh, and uh, I mean, people can get out of it, but we discourage people from getting out of it unless there's you know really unique circumstances because there's a need for your participation. Does that make sense? There are times when certain things are required of us. In uh, Matthew chapter six, in the New Covenant text, if you want to turn there briefly, Matthew chapter six, Yeshua the Messiah is speaking. This whole section, you know, the Sermon on the Mount or the Talk on the Hill, which is what I like to call it. Yeshua is is challenging the people in regards to investing for his kingdom. You're very familiar with this text. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. It's page 912. Yeshua says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and I could keep going on that, but I'm going to stop right there. Messiah, Yeshua, understands that if we continually focus only on ourselves and our interests, that that. We won't have a perspective that thinks of eternity and it thinks about God's and God's interests. All right? And so he uses, he takes this time in this particular message that he's giving to really challenge people as to where their priorities are in terms of investment. Now, if you are here and you're employed, I hope that you are saving for retirement. Okay? I hope you are budgeting and making wise financial choices. Part of your budgeting and wise financial choices to, is to financially invest in God's kingdom. You know, members of this community are supposed to actively support this community with their tithes and offerings. And I think it's something that, honestly, my perspective, we still struggle with as a community. Maybe it's because we're young as a community. Maybe it's because as a community some of us really have had some financial issues. But if we truly understand what what is listed here by our Messiah, if we are not conscientiously and actively investing our resources into the building up of God's kingdom, then the reason we're not is because we're just secularly minded. We're focused on the things of the world. And in reality, because I like using this term a lot in this series, I think, We're narcissists. It's all about us and our own interests instead of God and God's interests. And what's fascinating is when you look at the very end of the chapter in verse 33, he says, Yeshua says this, and it's after a whole section of don't worry about it, God's going to provide if you do what he says, but in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. God requires you to invest in the building up of his kingdom. He doesn't say you have to give 10%. You can give 90%. The New Testament principles are sacrificial, giving for the support of God's work. Are you investing, and do you realize and recognize and admit within yourself that God requires it of you? If you're not, then you need to understand you're in sin because fundamentally everything you have belongs to God. And not investing and not recognizing it as a responsibility is a rejection of God's clear instruction for you as a believer. All right? Now, uh, the other thing I want to say, though, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because not only is it, we see the example all over the New Covenant text, and not only is it required, and the requirement thing is simply just making clear that you understand that in this pattern of building up our communities, We see the examples, but we have to recognize that God has given us good instruction. And instruction in and of itself, pragmatically speaking, means there are laws involved in what God wants us to do. But in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, page 1090, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see, though, a personal benefit for investing, all right? Investing, investing our time and our resources, just investing our entire being into the building up of God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a skilled master builder I laid a foundation, and another builds on it. But let each consider carefully how he builds on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than what is already laid, which is Yeshua, the Messiah. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each one's work will become clear, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire, and the fire itself will test each one's work, what sort it is. If anyone's work built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but as through fire. And so to understand that if we are truly focusing on the building up of God's kingdom, if we are sincerely desiring to seek first the kingdom of God, the personal benefit in all this is that we get the joy of reward. God blesses us, I think both in this world as well as in the world to come. And so to realize that is a personal benefit. I mean, when you read this text and other texts like it, you understand that, that there's a tangibleness to this in the eschaton, in the world to come, that there is reward, clear reward. For those who will seek first God's kingdom and invest into it, all right. And and uh, if you've never thought about it before, I encourage you to to take a look at this text at home to meditate on it and to talk to me if you have questions. Uh, it's not like we should do. It's not a quid pro quo where if you give a dollar, God's going to give you two dollars or anything. It's not that's not the point. You know, if you serve in the nursery for an hour, God's going to give you free Cubs tickets. Okay, it's not how it works. But we do know, as we're in Sukkot, that when the people were willing to follow God in the desert, he provided them food, water, direction, protection, and their clothes didn't wear out. God does bless those who follow his instruction. Therefore, it's always personally (laughs) beneficial for you to do what God has asked you to do. Now, uh, what does community investment look like for us? Uh, One is buying into the community vision. You know, again, if we go back in uh, uh, Acts chapter 4, the people were of one mind. That's incredibly important. So, a question I would ask do you really believe in the vision of Devar Emmet? It's a unique vision. It really is. All right? A Jewish community that believes and teaches that Yeshua, Jesus, is the promised Jewish Messiah. All right? We are trying to be a particular kind of community, a community within the Jewish community. All right? That's unique. Do you buy into that? If you really don't buy into that, then you're never going to truly be investing into this place because you're always going to be questioning the validity of our very purpose, the thing that makes us unique. All right? Second, uh, are you living out the community purpose uh, to grow in our love for God as followers of Messiah Yeshua by our worship and study so we can then serve and encourage others both in our synagogue and our greatest Jew- greater Jewish community? I mean, do you live this out? Do you really come for the purpose of growing in your love for God, or do you come only because you like, you know, you like traditional Jewish prayer, or you think, uh, uh, you know, hearing the Torah portion is fantastic? I mean, really, the fundamental reason—that's why it's first. The fundamental reason for our community is so that people grow in their relationship with God. Do you believe that? Is that really a priority for you? The priority for you? to worship, to study, to serve and encourage. All of these are, 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 are part of our purpose as a community. Do you buy into this? Because if not, you're not gonna invest. You're not gonna invest. Last, actively assuming community responsibility. Actively commu- uh, uh, assuming community responsibility. Intentional service. You notice every once in a while, I'm gonna mention the kids here, is it's, it's after you know the kiddush is over, and we're starting to clean up. And you know what I do? I usually go find a couple of the older guys, you know, Kyle or, or Justice or Paul, and I say, go grab your crew and have them clean up. <laughs> Why? Well, because they're kids, and the kids are looking for a way to escape or get away or do whatever, all right? I see adults do this, too. It's very disappointing. You know, I have no problem challenging people and, and telling them go help clean up. Are you the sort of person that that when work needs to get done, you intentionally have to leave? Or are you the sort of person that is intentionally serving? You're looking for opportunities to serve. Most of our communities like that, but there are a few people that are not like that. How can a community grow if people are not committed to intentionally serving one another? Think about that. Check your own attitude on that. But it's really critically important. Intentional service. Not begrudging service, but intentional service. Because when you understand all that God commands us to do, intentional service is a proper understanding of investment. I want to go and serve and help clean and do whatever because I want the community to function effectively for the glory of God and for the furtherance of its mission. The second, proactive concern. You know, uh, Eric mentioned this in regards to a personal situation with a family member, that whenever, whenever this person has issues, that, that he's there. But he's not necessarily there before there are issues. You know, some of us uh, co- show concern for one another when we're in trial and in difficulty. Do you show proactive concern? That's, that's, com- that's really investment in relationship. Are there people that you know and like in this community, but you really don't spend any time with them, but you wish you did? Are there people's names that come to your mind on occasion during the week, but then you shake it off and you go on? I encourage us, each of us, to proactively show concern for people. It's not just my responsibility as the rabbi to wonder why two or three people are not here today. That's your responsibility as congregants, to wonder, yeah, where is so-and-so? What's going on? Is everything okay? Why should we do that? Because we should care for one another. And it's an investment in relationship. Relationship, I, I think even as Abe as, uh, did a great job in the drosh today. I mean, relationship is, is an ongoing process of gaining ever deeper understanding of individuals, some of whom you really like and connect well with and some you don't. You know, what's wonderful is proactive concern for people that you don't necessarily – want to sit down and watch a Cubs game with. But you know they're part of this community and you care about them because they are. You are investing in the community. Even with people that may not be like you and you would really kesher with really easily. They're still part of this community and they deserve our respect and concern. And then last, committed support. That's people saying, I will volunteer to do X, Y, and Z. You know, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I take advantage of some of you when it comes to these services uh, for high holidays because there's a lot of readings in the Hebrew and you guys just, you know, unless some circumstance comes up, you're willing to get up here and lean Torah and, and be available. That's wonderful. You know, I know that uh, in a minute, Eric's going to come and talk about music and sound. I mean, it takes a lot of people who will commit themselves to show up early, to show up in order for things to happen. With the food, it takes a lot of people To make the food work, right? Is there anything you don't do? In other words, are there things that you won't commit to? Maybe for you, the issue is you have a hard time committedly supporting something. Have to work on that. Figure out how to get past that. They say that uh, younger people, millennials, have a real problem with commitment. I think some do, honestly. I think that a lot of our young people are very committed and serve very committedly. But if that's something you struggle with, then I encourage you to, to think about it scripturally and understand that it's important for us to be committed within this community. That's how we show our investment. The other last thing I'll put a plug-in again is is financial. I mean, this community does not function with outside funds. I mean, it functions actually in some extent with still a little bit of support, but that's something that we've talked about. We'll talk about it at the synagogue annual business meeting on the night of November 5th. But It is our responsibility as individuals to invest in this place. If you invest meagerly, if we invest meagerly as a community, this synagogue will not get to where God wants it to go. We have to be willing to invest sacrificially. and and That means we need to give regularly, committedly, and again, with with generosity if we're going to move things forward. Now, finally, are you willing to play a more active role in building up God's work through Devar Emmett? Are you willing to commit to investing here with other people even if this demands sacrificing other priorities in your life? I would say the same if I'm here or tomorrow I'm speaking in West Bend, Wisconsin at a church. Your primary community is your congregational community. All right? Why? Because if you look at your job as your primary community, unless you're surrounded by believers... You're in a secular environment that is not building up your faith commitment to God. You need to appreciate the value of community and invest in it. All right? It really is your primary point of connection, spiritually speaking. But you have to be willing to prioritize it. All right? If you only show up once a week, you roll in for services, you come late and you leave early, how is this place really encouraging you? You need to understand the value of community. In all my years as a follower of Messiah Yeshua, almost 35 years this year, people that do not understand and appreciate this concept, this biblical theological position, do not do well spiritually, they just don't. They struggle. We need to appreciate that our community is our primary locus, our location, our place, for spiritual growth and development, We we must invest in it, and we must prioritize it with our time. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to do what what God really wants us to do. So questions. What is your area of service to devour Emmet? If you do not have a specific area of service yet, are you ready to commit to something? Most of us do serve in different ways, all right? And that's really good. How do you show your ownership of this synagogue? That's a hard question. How do you show your ownership? When you're walking down the hall and you see garbage on the ground, do you pick it up? I know I do, <laughs> okay? all right. What, in your opinion, is one thing that really needs to get done in this congregation in order for the ministry of this congregation to be more effective? See, that's ownership thinking. That's ownership thinking. I'm always thinking about things we need to improve on, but often we're not there yet. But maybe you see something that we can improve on, and, and you, you can see how we can get it done. If you have an opinion about something, talk with us. Talk with the elders. But this is the type of thinking that I want to encourage in here. That's investment thinking within this community. What role are you willing to play in order to make that one thing happen? Come up with a great idea, but you don't want to do the hard work. Well, that's discouraging and frustrating to us. But if you have an idea and you're willing to get behind it and do something, that's that's awesome. Do it. But this last one is important: are you teachable? All of us must be teachable. Part of investment is understanding that you're constantly reteaching yourself. Right now, uh, there's a whole discussion uh, in the Wall Street Journal about passive investin- investing com- compared to active investing. All right? And what they're finding out is that you might as well just be passive because active investing generally is, doesn't necessarily bring as good a result as just putting your money into funds and then just letting it slowly accumulate over time. Why are they saying that? Because they're teachable. They want to make money. You're in business, you want to make money, and therefore you will learn. You will constantly be learning because you want to do better and better. Todd Lesperance runs a business. He is not interested in his business being mediocre, he wants to improve that business. He is invested in that business, and so he is ultimately teachable. Are you teachable? We must be teachable. First of all, teachable to the Lord our God, that the Lord would change us and help us to always grow more in Him. But if it comes to serving Him within this place, being teachable, to learn what new things need to be done and how things need to be adjusted, you know, that things, we've always done it that way. Well, who cares if we've always done it that way? Is it work? (laughs) Is it effective today like it was before? A lot of the things that we have done in the past, I know, need to be adjusted in the future. Why? because no one stays the same, including communities. But if you see things that need to improve on, complaining about it doesn't do anything but drive me nuts. But if you see things that need to be improved on, and you say, how about this as an idea? What if I, could I do this, try this thing out? Like, that's great, let's talk about it, let's, let's adjustment, we all must be teachable. So, investing actively within this synagogue is a mitzvah, but it's also for your personal benefit, because as you invest in this place, then you will have a community in which you can grow and thrive, and the Lord can use you to impact for his glory.